Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner, helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come froms in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. everybody. I'm so glad to be with you today. Thank you again for listening to the Culture Coach podcast. It has been, um, or it is, not it's been, act like it's leaving or something. It's not, but it has been, um, I can't keep saying it has been. It is one of the uh, joys of my week to be able to engage with you and to share some things that I've learned over the last few years around culture uh, and really just for you to have um, an engaging voice on the topic of culture work, on the topic of how to make your world more diverse, um, how to find your courage in taking even just the first step towards a more multicultural world, a more multicultural personal life, whatever it is for you. So I really appreciate all of you who are listening. I'm very excited. Uh, just, um, maybe a couple weeks ago before I went on vacation, um, we hit 5,000 downloads uh, on the Culture Coach podcast, which is really exciting uh, given the fact that when I launched this podcast in January, I was scared to death. So (laughs) big shout out to my coach, uh, Scott, for asking me a very good question uh, before I launched this podcast, which was, is it good enough, Nikki? And if it's good enough, then uh, launch it. So I'm grateful for that, and big thank you to those of you who are listening. Today, I want to have a short conversation and engage with you on the topic, appropriation versus appreciation. Okay, appropriation versus appreciation. So I'm, you know, here's the thing. I never make an assumption about what people know and what people don't know, uh, what kinds of conversations that they are having and what kind of conversations that they haven't had yet. So that's one thing uh, that I want you all that are listening to know about me, even as a coach and even as I uh, approach this podcast is um, I don't make assumptions about any of you who are listening. Um, So for some of you, how I approach a topic might uh, feel a little simple uh, for others of you, you may think to yourself, thank God somebody is finally approaching this topic simply. <laughs> so I realize that there are, um, there's a mix of you that might feel that way. But I want to talk about appropriation versus appreciation. It seems to me that uh, so many people that have an awareness of um issues as it relates to culture uh, are particularly concerned about appropriation when it comes to 
their creative work. Uh, artists in particular are, can be uh, concerned about this. Uh, musicians, painters, fashion designers, hairstylists, any kind of uh, artist that way can be con particularly concerned about appropriation. Um, I've also found this when I'm working with organizations who are making a change uh, to their leadership teams or um, to you know, their staffing or their hiring practices, um, things that they start to do within the company, you know, where they might think, are we headed into appropriation? Um, I've noticed this with um, uh, people in faith communities in particular, uh, when it comes to the idea of cultural expression. A lot of times, um, uh, if you are part of a faith community, you'll get this. If you're not, uh, it's okay. Just hang in there. You'll, you'll understand what I mean. For a lot of people in faith communities, um, there is creative artistic expression. And for many people, uh, particularly people in the, uh, what we would call worship music uh, lane and genre, there is a big fear if a faith community has been historically monocultural and usually monocultural white American, that in order to, you know, start expressing a different cultural value that, you know, if we're all of one color or one culture and we start to lean into expressing a different culture, do we then start to appropriate culture? Um, there's just a lot of questions around this particular topic. And here's the thing I want you to know is that you may get differing opinions based on who you ask. Uh, you'll probably get differing opinions based on um, the person you ask or the people you ask and their own cultural come from or their own cultural experience. That, that might happen. But what I'm going to share with you is, is what I would normally um, share with people that I'm working with about appropriation. Appropriation happens essentially when one culture group looks at the cultural expression of another culture group, decides to adopt it, and then claim it as its own. Okay? Appropriation happens, this is a very simple definition or a simple uh, set of ideas for you to understand what appropriation is. It's when a culture group takes on the cultural expression of another people group or a different type of person and then claims it or calls it their own, their own creation, their own um, uh, something that they thought up on their own. When you know the other people group sometimes, depending on what it is, uh, can see this happen and be like, wait a minute, we've been doing that for years. Or wait a minute, you know, we've been leaning into that for years. So let me give you a couple of examples uh, of things that uh, people may find as things that you can appropriate. So the first thing in my head today is around arts and culture, um, creative expression, music and art and dance. Um, there are some art forms, some uh, particular sounds that are associated with a particular people group. 
So when I was in college, I went to uh, Towson University and I majored in music performance and vocal pedagogy. Um, pedagogy is just the teaching of singing. Uh, so that's what my, uh, my college degree is in. Now, when I was a music student at Towson, um, first of all, let me just tell you that it was a complete culture shock. Um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, um, and I'm about to get super nerdy here with you about music, is, you know, when I was a kid, well, not really when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, and I knew that I really wanted to pursue music full time, uh, that I said, you know, I want to go to music school. Because if you want to pursue music, that's what you do, right? You go to music school. And at that time, you know, at 17, 18, whatever it is, I was like, I want to be a rock star. Just like everybody else, you know, I want to be a rock star. So I'll go to music school. So I enroll in music school, got a full scholarship, which was very exciting for my parents. Um, and when I got there, realized that when you're a vocalist and you are a music major, what they tell you is, um, here's your repertoire. And I was given a stack of books that were all uh, opera, a classical art song and opera. <laughs> and I gotta tell you y'all, it was a culture shock, culture shock back in, what was it, 19, what have been, 1994, 1995, something like that when I, when I entered college. Um, but it was a huge culture shock. I mean, my family, my little African-American family here, um, opera was not on the playlist all the time. Um, in fact, there was a very good chance that I had never heard a classical singing style at all. Um, I just, so it was huge culture shock. I had to lean in um, to start doing this classical music. One of the other genres of music that they would do when you're a vocal student at a college is called Negro spirituals. Now, first of all, again, as a 17, 18 year old college student, um, I had a big problem with the idea that they would call them Negro spirituals. Now at the time, I didn't understand uh, the history or the genre or anything like that. But at the time, I was like, why are these essentially classified as black people songs? Um, so there was this, uh, so this genre of Negro spirituals. And what I had noticed was, is that they would only be sung by the, particularly the African-American students in college. Um, and I found out later that a lot of the white students and the non-black students wanted to sing this music, but their teachers uh, vehemently uh, denied them, uh, discouraged them from singing them, mainly because the teachers would say that, you know, you all don't understand um, the come from of this music or this type of singing. We don't believe that you can pull it off as white singers, that sort of thing. And so the only time that we would do uh, non-classical, which meant European music, is when we were in choirs. And thankfully, I had a fantastic choir director by the name of Dr. Paul Rairdon, who loved music from all different kinds of cultures. In fact, um, if you're interested, look back over, um, I can't remember what the date is, but uh, I did an interview with Dr. Paul Rairdon um, about diversity in music and creativity. Uh, so check that out, it's actually a really enlightening interview. I learned a lot that day.
But anyway, so the choir would learn uh, these spirituals. And so what would happen is we'd have like a section of the program at school that would be Negro spirituals. Essentially, here's all the black music that always set apart from everything else. Well, what, what I'm trying to explain here is that there were many people in school, teachers and that sort of thing, that were very afraid of appropriation when it came to the choice of music. Um, and we still sort of have that issue today. I mean, I've seen things that have come out or stories or people talking about how they feel like sometimes that um, people uh, in music schools in particular um, lean into appropriation when they start doing, quote, black music uh, and essentially don't give it any context and start to call it their own. Like we wrote this or this comes from our culture, that kind of thing. So what I'm saying is that is the perception oftentimes of people that are experiencing that. So that's just, that's music. Things like hair. Uh, I remember actually this has probably been going on for a really long time. There was um, some confusion and some anger around uh famous celebrities that were from particularly the white American culture that started to wear cornrows in their hair. Now, if you don't know what cornrows are, um, go look it up, go Google it today. Um, but essentially it's where you braid the hair and it's very close to the head. Um, but it has been distinctly a style that African American and African people have used. And so you know, there's also sometimes these conversations that happen about what is appropriate hairstyle for the workplace. And um, particularly uh, non-white women have been somewhat scrutinized sometimes in the workplace for wearing braids um, or wearing cornrows close to the head or that sort of thing. And so the anger started to come out when all of a sudden you had these white female celebrities that were coming out with cornrows and now suddenly everything was okay because you know Kim Kardashian did it or you know Christina Aguilera did it or this other person did it you know all these famous people I mean add your famous person in there but um, there was a lot of anger because the media and people around them started to claim these new hairstyles as uh, the new wave of fashion or that you know uh, this white person who's donning this new style developed it or came up with it. Ooh, isn't that a great fad? And that's when people feel like it's appropriation. Um, and that's just music and hair, by the way. Um, I mean, there's a, we could talk about this forever. And actually, I would love it if you're open to it this week to send me some examples that you have of things that you wonder uh, if are appropriation. I'd be really curious to know what you think about that as well or where you've seen it in your own life. But here's the thing I really want to tell you, and I'm not going to talk too long about this today, is that uh, the main problem with appropriation is the claiming of uh, something that is highly cultural being your own. That's really the issue with it. So how do you stay out of appropriation? Because here's the other thing I want you to know. And again, this is based on uh, my, the way I see the world, but I don't have a problem as a black person in America for other people doing 
styles of music or wearing their hair a certain way or, you know, whatever it is, I don't have a problem with that. Um, because I mean, in some, in some regards, and you guys will get me cause you've been listening to me, but in some regards, I'm like, you know, I think that's great. Uh, I think it's great that, uh, you know, white American women want to look at the beautiful hairstyles of black women or African women or Asian women and say, wow, that's really cool. How can I adapt that into what I do? Or, you know, music. We're so influenced by music and creativity and art and food and, and all of these things. I want people from the majority culture that, uh, of course, with the right uh, the right intention, but I want people with from the majority culture to, you know, look at that and say, yes, like that is a beautiful thing I would like to add to what I do or uh, appreciate into my own life. And so let me just tell you this, that uh, here's how to stay out of appropriation with whatever it is that you do. Surround it with context, surround it with story, right? Surround your new song with who the songwriter is. Uh, surround how you're cooking if you're a chef. You know, tell the story of the type of people that it came from. Um, if you're a performer or if you are a leader in an organization and you picked up um, a new leadership style or a way of being or something like that, share the story. Share the context of how that came to be. That's how you stay out of appropriation because th the goal is not to avoid. You don't want to avoid um, appreciating different kinds of cultures. Um, but what you do want to do as a person now, because you and I are bridge builders, we are people who are moving forward proactively uh, towards more reconciliation and more understanding that in order to stay out of appropriation, tell story and keep it in context. That will save you every time. Tell the story of the people and it also builds relationship. It builds relationship with uh, people from the culture group that you found this new great leadership style from or something like that. So surround it with context and surround it with story. Because then what happens is now you move into appreciation. Now appreciation uh, is saying, here are the most beautiful forms uh, of a cultural expression from these different people groups. And now what I really want to do is uh, I want to express or add to what I'm already doing uh, in order to uh, enhance uh, maybe a story that I'm telling, enhance a movie that I'm shooting, enhance a leadership style that I'm doing, enhance something. Appreciation happens when you are looking around for things that will add to and enhance what you are already doing. Not something that you kind of came up with on your own or that kind of thing, but really it's an embracing of culture and come from. So um, that's really the context that I wanted to share with you guys today uh, was uh, appropriation versus appreciation, what they are, what they aren't. Um, and just know that you don't have to s stay away or shy away from um, adding or uh, trying to fill your life with cultural expressions that may not have come from your own experience. It's really okay 
for you to do that. Just remember to surround it with context and surround it with story. So um, what I would leave you with today is in all things, do everything that you can to live into appreciation. Uh, anytime you lean into the things that are kind and generous and gentle and uh, peace-filled, uh, joy-filled, anything that uh, leads you towards more humility and less pride, do that. More appreciation, more celebration, so that you can continue to enrich your life with the different kinds of people in your world, the different kinds of experiences in your world, lean forward. We will be the generation that sees a proactive movement towards a more multicultural life and a more multicultural world. Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.